Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the 220th episode of the Focus TV. Uh, joined as always, got Xavier Wyatt, Cardo Dudley Jr., uh, Raymond Lyons, uh, and we'll be joined in a little while by Keith Archer. Um, he's joining us. We've had him on before, I think, back around NFL draft time, uh, but we'll get to his segment a little bit later. Octave uh, is going to kick things off with the NFC East. Ray's going to let you know what the Mystics are going through. They, you know, they're going through a nice little uh, two games in two days with one of the best teams in the league. Uh, so he'll let you guys know a little bit more about that. Cardell will provide you some updates on the Wizards and then Summer League as a whole. Uh, I'll let you know what DC United has been up to. It's one of those three-game weeks. And, of course, no show is complete without rapid fire. But, Octavia, what's going on in your division this week? <laughs> well, I first want to start by saying, of course, it was the first preseason game happened this past week. And it's just no surprise, although it is preseason. Yes, we know, but it's no surprise that nobody in the NFC East won. I'm just going to say it. Everybody took an L this week in preseason, but again, it's preseason. Um, we know that they have cut the preseason games down from four to three. Um, so it, a lot of players didn't, a lot of starters didn't get, if any time at all, if they did get any playing time, it wasn't significant amount of snaps. So I'm just going to go through a little bit of the people that probably you might not have heard of. You might not hear of again, just depending on what happens with the cut down of the rosters coming up. Um, but I will start with their beloved Washington football team. They played the Patriots and they lost 22 to 13. Ryan Fitzpatrick did play. He had five. He was five of eight, uh, 58 yards. Tyler Henneke was 9 of 15 for 86 yards and one carry for four yards. Steven Montez, 17 of 24, 108 yards, one touchdown and one interception and one carry for 14 yards. Uh, and running side, rushing side, Jared Patterson had 10 carries for 40 yards and four receptions for 30 yards. Peyton Barber, six carries, 20 yards, one touchdown, one reception for three yards. Antonio Gibson played. Had five carries for 15 yards, two receptions for 14 yards. And Terry McLaurin, two receptions, 25 yards. Sammy Reyes, two receptions, 25 yards. And Logan Thomas, one reception for 21, 24 yards. Excuse me. So, again, preseason, um, obviously Fitzpatrick is going to be the leader of the in the quarterback room. He will be your starter this year. Uh, Tyler Henneke had a solid, you know, showing as well. Looks like he's a lot pretty much to be your backup. So we'll see how that continues to rise for them. Um, again, one thing I really can only say is Chase Young. I mean, that's pretty much all you have to say. Um, he was able to wrap up Cam Newton. Um, and it looked like a strip sack, um, but they did go ahead and call it back. And it was ruled a forward pass. So he did not get it. But again, it just shows how dominant he is, even in preseason and I mean, I'm pretty sure if I was a Washington football fan, I would not want to see him in the remaining of um, preseason. I think he's good. His motor is going to be high regardless. I want him to be fresh and ready for the season to start. But we all know Chase Young wants to play, so I won't be surprised if I see him going forward. Um, of course, uh, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas are going to be the big-name wide receivers for them. Uh, wide receiver and tight end, excuse me, with Logan Thomas. Um, we know Curtis Samuel still nursing a groin injury. But um, and then, of course, they also have Adam Humphreys, who also did not play. So they still have a lot to go through. They still have a lot of time to continue to improve. Again, there's still two preseason games left and they're, you know, again, it's preseason. It's hard to really dictate what the team is going to look like, because, again, most of the players that play majority of the game are going to be third string, four strings, are fighting for a position to be on the team, if not the practice squad. So they're going to have a lot more to go on as the preseason continues. Um, next up, we did also have Dallas play the Cardinals. They also lost to the Cardinals. Dallas had 16, the Cardinals had 19. Cooper Rush started for them. I'm, uh, he didn't start, but Cooper Rush was 7 of 13, 89 yards, three carries for nine yards. Garrett Gilbert, 7 of 16, 80 yards. And Ben DiNucci was 6 of 14, 46 yards, one touchdown, and one carry for 10 yards. Uh, Jaquan Hardy, 8 carries for 32 yards. Rico Dowdle, 8 carries, 25 yards, and one fumble. Uh, Brendan Knox had 5 carries for 19 yards. And on the receiving side, Cedric Wilson had 2 receptions for 40 yards. Reggie Davis had 1 reception for 32 yards. And Brandon Smith had 1 reception for 1 yard and 1 touchdown. Um... 
again, preseason, uh, we know Dak is not playing. You know, we really didn't get to see a lot of the number ones in this game at all for most of the game. Um, but again, you know, they started off a little bit shaky in the first quarter. You know, it was a little bit sloppy for lack of a better term. Um, Rico Dottle also fumbled again. And we know that that's one big, big scenario for Dallas. We know that, you know, last year Zeke had a lot of issues with holding on to the ball. So we don't want that to continue for anybody else that's going to be looking to play running back for them this year. If you're a Cowboys fan. So, um, Right now, you know, their defensive looks good. Again, Michael Parsons, I thought, was a great pickup for them. And he's proven everybody right as of now. He's all over the field. You know, he's doing everything you want him to do. He pretty much is playing every down. Um, And, again, I love watching Hard Knocks. Just watching the Hard Knocks from last week, you know, when they played the Steelers. And just hearing him how much he wants to play. You know, he's on the phone with Dan Quinn. just like, yeah, can I get another series? He's like, no, you're you're done. He's like, really? It's like you. I like that like youthful play about it again. Like you could tell he really, really wants to play at all times. So it's nice to see, you know. But again, um, they also are having a little bit of issues as far as injuries. Uh, Neville Gallimore looks to be lost for a long stretch after apparently injuring his arm and elbow area. Um, also, you know, uh, the club lost services of backup left tackle Ty Nashik. Wide receiver Malik Turner and tight end Sean McKinnon and linebacker Anthony Hines, the third. So they have a couple of injuries going on. Luckily for them, it's none of their ones as of now. Um, Gregory was also supposed to suit up and play in this game. He also did not even do that. Um, he actually left the game early. He didn't travel with them. He went back. Um, he left out of Arizona. So um, apparently it's a foot injury of some sort. Um, so they will be keeping an eye on that. Again, Dak did not play. I don't foresee him playing at all in preseason because um, they're trying to rest that shoulder. It would be nice to see him get some game time reps. Uh, I'm sure they want him to, but I'm sure they're being all really cautious with the shoulder as of now. Um, next, we have the Giants versus the Jets. Again, Giants lost to the Jets. Jets at 12, Giants at 7. Clayton Thorson was 5 of 16, 72 yards for one touchdown. Mike Glennon was 3 of 7 for 20 yards. And Sanjo Platgummer, 4 carries um, for 51 yards. Corey Clement, 5 carries, 32 yards, and 1 fumble. CJ Board had 1 carry for 12 yards. David Sills, the 5th, 3 receptions for 49 yards. Damian Willis had 1 reception for 21 yards. And Ryson John, 3 receptions for 14 yards. Again, Preseason's only three games this year. It's apparent that Joe Judge is really treating this as the fourth game where most of the times you don't see any of the starters in that. Um, he's saying that in the third and final preseason game, um, more than likely you'll see more starters at that time. Danny Jones did not play. Of course, we're still nursing an injury or coming back off of an injury for Saquon Barkley. Um, and then, of course, uh, they're just still waiting to see how that's going to go for them, and if he'll be able to go by week one. He wants to go, but, again, have to make sure he's completely healthy. He is their franchise running back. I would not let him get out there until I know for a fact that he was 150% healthy. Um, but um, Glennon started off for them. You know, he played pretty much behind the ones as far as the offensive line. Um, it wasn't a terrible game. You know, he was able to hit. Um, David Sills for a 37-yard pass down the sideline. Uh, I'm sorry, that was actually Clayton Thorson. Um, but again, preseason is really kind of hard to see what's really going to happen going forward. Um, as we get, again, deeper into preseason games, um, you'll get more of an understanding of who's going to make the team and who's probably not. Um, although Corey Clement, um, former Eagle, throw that out there, um, he got some good reps in as well, um, looking to be the number two behind Saquon Barkley. Uh, but I'm sure having a fumble on his resume is not going to bode well um, for his opportunities. So he'll have to clean that up. And last but not least, Eagles versus the Steelers. Eagles lost to the Steelers. I don't even know the score. That's how bad it was. Um, it was just bad. Just know that. So um, they lost that game. There we go. 20, 24 to 16. Excuse me. Um, so... 
Again, a lot of number twos and one and threes and fours playing. But Joe Flacco was 10 of 17, 178 yards for one touchdown. Jalen Hurts was 3 of 7 for 54 yards, one carry for four yards. And Nick Mullins was 1 of 5, four yards, two interceptions. Jason Huntley had four carries for 15 yards. Kenneth Gainwell, two carries for 14 yards. Kerryon Johnson had two carries for 12 yards. Quez Watkins, one reception, 79 yards and one touchdown. Dallas Goddard had one reception for 34 yards, and Tyree Jackson had two receptions for 20 yards. Um, the ones really only got about two to three series in the game. I think Jalen looked good in the beginning. Um, he was um, looked pretty poised. You know, you can tell that he's looking to throw the ball. Um, again, he ended um, with a stat line of three of seven. It really should be five of seven. We had two drops. Uh, Zach Ertz dropped one as well as Quez that was right out the reach of his fingertips. So all in all, it was a good show by the ones. Again, still don't know if Zach Ertz is going to be on the roster as the season gets ready to start. Right now, it's looking more so that he will be. Um, he did get a lot of reps in this game as far as, you know, being a number one. He got more than what you would think he would have gotten. Um, but as the game continued, you can see that the three and the fours were not it. At that moment, um, I don't know if it was um, the big lights, the first game, if they were just tired, um, because the ones and the two started off really, really good, um, and then it just faded away as time went on. Um, one good thing about it is uh, Jake Elliott hit three free field goals um, from 47 uh, yards plus, two 47-yarders, and I think the other one was 50-yarders. So um, good Showing for him there, you know, he had a rough year last year. Um, but, of course, he, he has a big leg, so he should be able to do that. I was impressed with Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I like him as a backup. Um, but Jordan Howard got the start. We didn't see Miles Sanders. Um, again, Devontae Smith did not suit up. Um, he's just now getting back on seven on sevens in training camp today. Um, so he may get a few reps this week coming up, but I'm sure that they're also looking to make sure that they put his health completely first because right now he is the franchise as well. Um, but that's about it. That's happened in the, in the NFC East as far as in your preseason. Next week we'll have more games. Hopefully we'll have more number ones in and we'll have more information. Look forward to it. Um, I'm ready for preseason to be over, um, but, uh, you know, it's I am a process to <laughs> get there eventually. Uh, we're going to pass this along to Keith Archer uh, for his college football segment um, in debut. They'll be previewing the Pac-12. Uh, that'll be followed by our first break of the night. And when we return, uh, we're going to talk to Ray about uh, what the Mystics have ahead of them later this evening. Hi, I am Keith Archer, a freshman at Arizona State University studying sports journalism at the Walter Cronkite School. Today, I'm going to be giving a preview on the Pac-12 and most all of the teams in it. Uh, first, I'm going to start out with Arizona State and the quarterback that they have in Jaden Daniels. He comes out at 6'3", 175 pounds. He is now a junior who is eligible to come into next year's draft. Uh, Jaden Daniels, I've watched a lot of college football and all, all my time being alive in Jaden Daniels. He provides something else that many quarterbacks cannot he, his arm, although it's good but not great, it still gets the job done. It gets the, it gets the ball where it needs to be. He has amazing pocket presence and is able, you know, with being 6'3", he's able to maneuver his way and bounce off linemen to avoid sacks. Once he gets on the run, that's, that's when it begins. He is so good on the run. Uh, after, once a play breaks down, he extends plays like most college quarterbacks aren't and he's been doing nothing but excelling as his years have come he's learning a lot from herm edwards and he provides great leadership for this team coming coming for this upcoming year uh he is a potential first round pick and if he continues to do what he's been doing he will for sure land there uh we're gonna focus on arizona who has Gunnar Cruz, who is a former Washington State quarterback, he is. They are going through a quarterback battle in camp and preseason while everything is getting learned out in the beginning. He is going through that, but I believe he'll win that job and try and get Arizona back on their feet as they lost their former running back Gary Brightwell in this year's past draft to the New York Giants. Colorado, they came. Three and one in division last year. 
and lost in the Alamo Bowl versus Texas. They fell short, but they look to bounce back and fight again this year. UCLA has quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson, who is a senior who is mobile with a strong arm. Despite being 6'1", he has long arms, which can provide help because, you know, you got guys who are shorter like Kyler Murray who, you know, coming out, the word is that they can't get the ball over the lineman or anything like that. With having long arms, he's able to get the ball over over the lineman. And he's also mobile, which helps the fact that if he can't see, he can always avoid pressure, get around it, and get to the outside. He is going to go into this year's draft. Now, despite not being maybe not being a first-round pick, he will 100% get drafted despite any injuries. He can surprise a lot of people this year. I, I When I tell you, he has done nothing but excel in all of his years at playing college football and I don't but I don't not trust that he can continue that stride and become one of the one of the better quarterbacks in this year's draft quarterback Kadon Slavis at USC is scary accurate and has been said to almost be if not the best one of the best quarterbacks in this year's class because of just strictly off his accuracy he's very mobile or not very mobile but very accurate and he has a great pocket presence now despite not being mobile he can deliver the ball exactly where it needs to be and you know when you have quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, uh, Kyler Murray all, all guys who can maneuver around the pocket in the NFL and are setting the way for what quarterbacks should look like Kadon Slavich reminds you that there's quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning who relied on accuracy to get the job done, and that he's proving that he can he can deliver that ball wherever it needs to be, whenever it needs to be. Uh, Utah has Charlie Brewer, former Baylor transfer. He's a senior now who looks to put Utah back on their feet as they've struggled in recent years, and he he is also going through a quarterback battle and camp but I do believe he will win that one as well such as Gunnar Cruz and Air and for the Wildcats and that is the South Division of the Pac-12 now we're going to focus on the North Division of the Pac-12 you have Cal who is looking to dominate as usual but I feel I feel as though they may take a step back this year due to lingering injuries and struggles in camp Oregon lost their left tackle and Penny Sewell in this year's draft, which surprisingly will impact them a lot more than most people will come to believe. A left tackle is not something that you can just very easily pick up on, especially one of his caliber. He is said to be a generational talent, as we will see if he pans out in the NFL, but I believe that'll bring them a step back, not having that, that generational talent as a left tackle this year. Oregon State looks to improve this year as they did in between last year it wasn't too high it wasn't too low but they look to bring back the old Oklahoma I mean or uh, Oregon State football and dominate uh, against their rivals Oregon Stanford looks to bring in a bunch of a few good freshmen and step forward take a step forward this year in the Pac-12 and not just be one of those teams Stanford has been a pretty good team in past years, but as of recent, they have been on the decline. They look to get back to that. And Washington and Washington State both are having quarterback controversy battles, and they both look to avoid those and get to the forefront of their division in the Pac-12 and become one of the bigger names in the back in their North Division in the Pac-12, so that they can cause some disruption and start getting that program back on track. Welcome back to the Focus TV, and thank you for knocking out uh, this week's Pat 12 preview. Uh, Ray, what's, what's going on with the Mystics, man? Uh, yeah, the Mystics, they're um, back in action tonight against um, Las Vegas Aces, uh, who they played on Sunday and lost a nail-biter 84-83. Um, it was their first game after the Olympic break, and they were pretty much in control through three quarters. Uh, the fourth quarter, man, uh, the Aces just <laughs> laid hands on them. You know, they held them to 14 points. I scored them 29 to 14 in a quarter. You know, um, they, they the Aces were down 21 at one point, but uh, 
a source of their comeback was uh, the Mystics, you know, fouling them and putting them on the free throw line. And um, the Aces were able to find their footing and claw their way back into the game. You know, the, the easiest way to come back from a large deficit is to score from the free throw line while the clock is stopped. You know, you kind of get yourself into a rhythm. You see the ball go through the basket. And, um, you know, the Aces were able to regroup and um, and close the game out. I mean, they're right now they're the number one team in the WNBA. So, uh, you know, it's, it, they don't lack talent over there. But and this is um, – and we talked about it on the – on Mystics outlook on Sunday, this is a game that the the Mystics should have won. You know, they're they're not lacking for talent themselves, and they were up by 21 points throughout the game. You know, they started off clicking on all cylinders. You know, Tina had a big first half, um, but uh, you know, in the second half, the Aces came out and were um, more determined to uh, to get the ball out of her hands and double her and make her make decisions. You know, then but uh, you know, Ariel Atkins started waking up. And they were still able to extend the lead and control the game throughout the third quarter, but um, but in the fourth quarter, Liz Cambage and she just she just started dominating, and then uh, Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray kind of closed things out. Um, Chelsea Gray on the made two consecutive plays uh, in the waning moments of the game, hit Asia on the pick and pop uh, with a nice pocket pass. Asia hit the jumper. Then um, you know, in the last possession of the game, Chelsea Gray got a switch. Uh, Tina Charles didn't head edge out, and um, she was able to hit the elbow jumper, put him up one, and get the win. So, um, you know, in the post game, you know, Coach Tebow he he talked about the um the undisciplined play on defense and the fouling, and said you know that's definitely something that um they got to clean up, and uh you know they get a chance another crack at it tonight. Uh, you know Vegas they're gonna probably gonna come out with a vengeance based on the way the Mystics started the last game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't want to be playing from behind at any point. So um, they, they're going to try to get off to a little better start. Uh, the Mystics, man, they, they just got to stick to what works. And then on the defensive end, they got to keep their hands to themselves, man. Just, you know, move your feet and trust your teammates. Because uh, if that's um, that's part of the Aces identity, man. Uh, they get to the line, they punish people on the inside, and they, um, and they make their free throws. So... You definitely don't want to help them out by committing useless and silly fouls. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see you guys later on after the game for Mystics Outlook. Hopefully, it's something good to talk about. But um, you know they're um, they're back in the swing of things. They play Phoenix, and then um, they play Phoenix away, then Seattle away, and then they got a nice little home stretch to close the month out. So you know, hopefully, they can gain some momentum and um and work their way up the standings because this is uh. These dog days right here, and you know they got to make up some ground for the first half of the season. This is all true, and like you said, uh, we'll be around later tonight. Well, which might be early tomorrow morning. Uh, you know, gotta love West Coast start times, 10 p.m. Uh, when that game begins. So we'll be around after that for Mrs. Outlook. Let you guys know uh, what happened in the post game, and then share our respective thoughts on it. Being uh, Raymond Carter on myself, um, we're gonna take our second break. When we get back, uh, you know, Washington Wizards and then league as a whole, uh, you know, they did end up playing four games, which Cardell's going to let you guys know about. Uh, you know, we found that out like most of you uh, that day. So we're going to take our second break. We'll be right back. You're watching the program. Welcome back to the Focus TV. As promised, Cardell Dudley Jr. is going to let you know what's happened with the Wizards in Summer League play and, uh, you know, Summer League is old because, uh, you know, uh, it was fun depending on uh, – just period. Summer League's been fun. I know Cardell ran myself a little chat, been talking about how exciting it's been watching this crop of rookies come in. Um, it's been refreshing, to be honest, and we hope it all continues. Um, you know, just the mentality that they brought continues on into the regular season. Uh, but Cardell, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, as some league, as we know, winds down tonight. I'm going to start with the Washington Wizards and just kind of recap their last game. And, uh, you know, just overall summary throughout uh, summer league. Uh, the Wizards fell last night. And uh, summer league played to the Indiana Pacers 74-65, dropping to 1-3. to um, In summer league play, uh, the Pacers jumped out on Washington 20-11. You know, after the first quarter led by Cassius Stanley's quick start, and uh, the Pacers were never really threatened afterwards. Uh, Washington's offense, uh, once again, struggled to have any rhythm, shooting 34% from the field and 20% from deep. Meanwhile, they turned it over 21 times, which has been an issue pretty much in every game 
throughout summer league. Uh, they 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 missed Cassius Winston dearly. Um, they really didn't have a floor general to get to get them in the flow, get them in our offense, and keep them there. So that's what you get. Uh, Isaiah Todd led away with eleven points to six rebounds, even though he didn't have the best shooting night. Uh, Khalid Holmesley and Xavier Raven Mayers both added nine points respectively for the Wizards. As I said about Cassius Stanley, he finished with the game high nineteen points, seven rebounds. And he added two to two assists on seventy percent shooting from the field. Um, that just tells you a lot about the resistance that the Wizards gave him as well. So um, they fell to one and three. That wraps up their summer league. Um, you know, we'll see who gets an invite to training camp and try to plead their case. We all know Kispers gonna be there, being the first round pick. You know, Todd will probably be there. Um, you know, they they interviewed the G on um, the Go Go's gym um, during the summer. One of the uh, summer league games, like I think the the, the summer league game prior to the, um, the game against the Pacers. And they're looking more, you know, even though he feels he's ready to contribute to the Wizards right now, it sounds like he's going to see some time in the G League as he, he tries to develop, man. You know, so, you know, based on what we saw summer league, he, he, he would need it. He would need a rep. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But, hey, maybe he comes on strong in training camp. We'll see that. And also just to close things out for tonight in summer league, uh, at 9 p.m. tonight, the Sacramento Kings and Boston Celtics will square off in the Summer League Championship. Uh, I want people out there to definitely keep an eye on the point guard matchup between the Celtics, Celtics second-year point guard Peyton Pritchard, uh, who has been torching the world over the last week, <laughs> literally, and uh, Kings rookie Davion Mitchell, uh, who's one of the best defensive guards probably already in the league. So that's going to be a nice little match there for, uh, for the championship. So it should be highly entertaining. And just to close out some league, uh, just a few notes of uh, standouts that I noticed from watching, you know, throughout some league playing that wasn't the Wizards. Obviously, uh, Cam Thomas, a uh, local product out of Virginia, came out and played the Boo Williams, the OK on Brooklyn Nets rookie. Uh, he led the he led the summer league in scoring, averaging 27 points a game on 36 percent shooting from deep and 84 percent shooting from the line. Uh, he he's. What I keep saying, professional score. He remind you know ever since watching him develop, you know as a prep at the grassroots level. He to me, he always reminded me of Lou Williams. You know what I mean? Uh, just one of those guys that combo guards that 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 could just put the ball in the basket any way possible, man. He he just has that knack, man. You know, and once he understands how to run a team to go with that, it, it's it's gonna be hell. You know what I mean? Because you don't know when he's he's attacking, and you don't know when he's finding people. Kind of how Lou Williams developed over time. In the league, man. So, and obviously, the team he's on, uh, he has a lot of players he can learn from to learn all the tricks of the trade. So, uh, you know, his ability will be enhanced as his understanding grows, man. So, you know, he definitely keep an eye on him. Jalen Smith, second year forward out of Phoenix, uh, he he averaged sixteen point three points and the summer league leading twelve and a half rebounds on thirty five percent shooting from the field. Well, yeah, from the field, no, thirty five percent shooting from deep. 81% shooting from the line. Um, that's another guy that they're hoping to develop in the season. Obviously, the Suns made a championship run. Um, you know, Darius Sarri, he unfortunately tore his ACL, you know, in the playoffs. So it's hard to imagine him being back. So, you know, I anticipate seeing a lot of Jalen Smith. That's why they had him on playing reps. So he definitely may, uh, honestly, should. I ain't even going to add May and He should have a role with the Suns as they try to get back to the championship and, uh, you know, make some noise that way. I uh, just spoke on a pain pressure, Boston Celtics, second year guard. Uh, you know, he's averaging 20.3 points, 8.7 assists, 5.7 rebounds, and two steals on 51, 51% shooting from the field, 57% shooting from deep, and 88% shooting from the line. Uh, the stat line speaks for itself. Uh, he, he <laughs> And then, obviously, on days off, he's going back to his hometown, dropping 92 points. So this this summer has been great for him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he, he's, he's been torturing anybody that gets in front of him, man. So, and that's why I'm excited to see the championship game tonight, man. Cause Damian Mitchell, he's one of those guys that take defense serious. And I'm pretty sure he's like, he ain't about to have all that. So it should be a fun matchup. Uh, OB Toppin, next forward, you know, averaging 21 points, 8.3 rebounds, so 44% shooting from the field, nearly 35% shooting from deep, 88% shooting from the line. I just think he needed a year to get, you know, get his bearings and understand where he is in the league. And you kind of see that coming to fruition in some league. Um, he did his thing, you know, and, uh, you know, just just especially in the pick and roll game with his athleticism and ability to shoot the ball is just 
I mean, it's hard for bigs to deal with him either way. You know what I'm saying? So he's always going to have a mismatch no matter what. So it's just a matter of, it's a, it's just a matter of him understanding what he is and, and how he can, you know, exploit mismatches. And I think he's starting to get a feel for that. So, you know, I expect that, I expect him to increase his play, you know, when the regular season start. Jalen Green, we talked about him a lot in the G League bubble, rookie for, uh, with the Rockets. You know, average 20.3 points, 4.3 rebounds, two assists on a ridiculous uh, 51% shooting from the field, 52% shooting from three, and 92% shooting from the charity strike. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to be that young and just torturing established pros, guys that played overseas, had had years in the league, stats in the league. It just, it just tells you about this kid's uh, ability, and that's why he was drafted number two in the draft, man. Um, he has the tools to be one of the top wings in the league if he keeps working. You know what I mean? So uh, he did what he was expected to do. Bones Highlands, another one. Uh, Denver Nuggets guard, rookie, obviously a rookie. He averaged 19.8 points, 4.8 assists, 3.3 rebounds on 46% shooting from the field, 40% shooting from deep, and uh, 76% shooting from the line. He's another one of those uh, dynamic scorers, man, with his length. I know he's, you know, Imagine that about six three, six four, but with his left, man, he plays much, much bigger than what he is, man. His athleticism, I mean, he's just a dog. Like he, you know, saw a lot of him at BCU, obviously covering GW. So uh he's another one of those professional scorers. But the difference is, you know, I think he's a little better also running the team and, and getting that flow. And, and that's just for having more seasoning being in college and whatnot. And and that and that comes with it. But man, you know, and and you can tell he has a passion for the game. So the Nuggets definitely drafting another one. And obviously with Will Barton coming back, man, Jamal Murray coming back healthy, man, you know, that's just added depth where when they go to the bench, they got somebody that they, you know, drafted to hopefully count on to come in and, and keep things flowing offensively from outside when Jamal Murray needs a break and those guys. So uh, I know he's up for the task, man. You know, he's been talking about it throughout summer league. So, um, you know, much respect to him. K. Cunningham, the number one pick, uh, definitely did his thing. Average 18.7 points, 5.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.7 steals on 50% shooting from three. Um, these kids coming in torture for three, man. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy, man. So, I mean, he did his thing. You, you expect him to be a versatile, uh, centerpiece. You know, I know there's a lot of comparisons to Luca. Uh, I'm not going to go there first. He has to, you know, do some damage first, but I get it because of his size and skill set and the fact that neither one of them are, you know, top tier athletes or whatnot, they have to kind of, you know, be crafty and savvy to make plays. And that is a good guy for him to study, you know what I'm saying? Cause he does have a great feel and can do everything that there is to do offensively. So um, I'm excited to see how he meshed with the, the Pistons squad once he gets in the training camp or not, but this is a strong start. He did his thing, you know, in some of the Luca guards, a second round pick for the Pistons. No, four sent out of Iowa, obviously a local product out of Murray, you know, play for team takeover, uh, you know, average 15 points, 9.6 rebounds, and 52% shooting from the field, 40% shooting from deep, and just under 80% from the line. Uh, with his production, he earned a two-way deal. You know, he went from being a second round, you don't know if you're going to get something out the, out the deal, to, you know, doing damage in summer league. Now he has a two-way deal. So he would be back and forth. We've seen him in the, you know, G League, and then he'll be back up the fourth round, you know, with the main team, with the Pistons. You know, depending on how you work, man, um, his motor, you know, he just outworks guys. That's that's what separates him. So, you know, I could easily see him having a couple big nights during the season, you know, during the dog, when the guys don't really want to play back-to-backs and he going to murder them because he's still trying to establish himself. So, um, you know, I'm just happy for the good, man. He worked hard. He, he earned his spot. And uh, he made the best of a situation. That's all you, you're asking for as a player. Just give me an opportunity and I'll handle the rest. So, congrats to him. And last but not least, Walter from Indiana Pacers, uh, guard, averaged 18.3 points, four rebounds, 3.8 assists, two and a half steals, and 1.8 blocks on 45% shooting from the field, 48% shooting from deep, and was 100% from the line. Didn't miss not one free throw, man. And uh, two-way, that's that's what you get with him. And this is why a lot of people were excited for him, to, you know, coming out of Oregon, getting drafted by the Pacers. And obviously a Jugo alum, I root for Jugo guys because I understand the grinds you gotta get, you gotta go through to elevate. And he's he's done that, being player of the year, Jugo going to Oregon, being Pac-12 player of the year. Now, I mean, he's hit the ground running with the paces, man, and getting it done on both ends already. Like normally, it's one side of the ball where rookies kind of excel, and he's showing he could do it all. And uh, 
I'm a Malcolm Brogdon, those guys, man. Uh, I'm excited to see how he fits. Uh, he look, you know, obviously being a little bit older, being about 24 years old, he, uh, he, he looks to be ready to go. He looks to be more advanced as far as his maturity and, you know, IQ and feel for the game. So, you know, I definitely can see him doing damage right away in the league. All right, uh, moving on to DC United. Uh, it was one of those weeks for them, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, three games in the week. Uh, that started uh, Sunday. They lost on the road in Nashville, 5-2. Uh, it was a big opportunity loss for DC United, uh, for sure. Had they won, they would have moved above Nashville in the standings uh, if they had gotten the three points. Instead, they remained in sixth uh, with the loss, snapping a five-game unbeaten streak. Uh, the visiting Black and Red got on early when Frederick Beyond. Uh, scored on a cor off a corner kick. Uh, it was a really nice goal from him. Um, but CJ Sapong, who apparently has a thing for playing DC United, uh, he spent some time in his life here uh, in the DMV area. So, you know, every time he sees him, uh, you know, this scores as a nice gentle reminder, apparently. Uh, things got worse for the uh, – sorry about that. So, as I was talking about Sapong, he scored twice in the 28 minutes. After DC United went up one nothing, um, then Ola Kamara responded. Uh, you know, that, uh, before the half, Nashville let the break three to two. Um, things didn't really get better for DC United in the second half. Alex Moe uh, recorded a brace during the eighth minute and the seventh minute on a penalty kick. Uh, there's not a lot of time for DC United to really dwell on the loss. Again, it's three games in a week, so that's Sunday. They play tomorrow night. And then they are back home on Saturday night. Um, but tomorrow, they're taking on this team atop the Eastern Conference table, uh, New England. So they got to deal with that, uh, see if they can leave New England with at least a point, if not all three. Uh, then come home and host Atlanta United on Saturday. Um, you know, big picture for D.C. United is this week is not the end. It's not going to be the end-all, be-all. This week doesn't necessarily go as planned. Um they're in six at the moment. They've been pretty solid at home. Um, it would be great again for them to still at least a point, um, you know, on the road uh, tomorrow. But, uh, you know, it was a tough loss. It's probably maybe might have been – it's sports, man. Sometimes you just have one of those games. Credit to Nashville, obviously. They've been playing really good at home um, as well. But, uh, you know, it's really tough, man. Three games, it's not even a full seven days. Um, so they got to get through that, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll be back next week to let you know how they do in the, uh, against New England and Atlanta. Uh, uh, yeah, that's and that's like the two weeks ago they had three games in a week. So they're going through it over right over there at the moment. You know, Coach Lasada has been preaching the importance of the collective. Uh, they're also one of the teams where they really mean it. It's one thing that we like to say it. Uh, you know, that whole cliche strength in numbers. Uh, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing when you mean it. They've had 26 different starting lineups. Uh, they've they've had days. They've had three people on the bench, five people. Sometimes they've had a full bench. Uh, going through it as a whole, and uh, you know, uh, we'll see what happens this week. Uh, but I definitely expect them to bounce back from what you know what was kind of a poor showing on uh, Sunday night. All right, Cardell. You know, we got some time left, man. What you got for us? Some rapid fire. All right, uh, start on the NFL side of things. The uh, Seattle Seahawks signed Jamal Adams to a four-year extension with a maximum value of $72 million, making him the highest-paid safety in history. Uh, Adams still has uh, max value, obviously, of $72 million, and $20 million signing bonus, and includes $38 million guaranteed uh, via agents Cameron Connor and Robert Brown on Universal Sports. Uh, Adams was the first-team All-Pro selection in 2019 and has been named to the Pro Bowl in each of the past three seasons. Uh, he set the league's single-season record for sacks by a defensive back last season with nine and a half. Uh, that figure led the team as did his 14 tackles for loss and his 30 pressures. Uh, he missed four games with a groin injury and played through injuries to both shoulders, including a torn labrum that needed surgery, two broken fingers, which also needed surgery, and a hyper-extended elbow. Uh, what do y'all think of the signing and him you know, being the highest-paid safety in uh, history? Let's start with you, Octavia. I feel like it's always the same for me when it comes down to these big signings. Like, if they feel like they deserve it, more power to them. Um, especially for Jamal Adams, I feel like he's 
been a little bit more vocal than some of the other ones. Like he's basically kind of put it out there. Like he feels like he's the best and he feels like he deserves it. So now that he has it, it's time for him to continue to do what he's been doing and not to regress in any type of way. Um, I know you can't help injuries and things of that sort, but it's time for his, like, now you got what you've been talking about this whole time. So I'm just, you know, really ready to see him, if he's going to be able to continue to live up to what he's done already in the past, because we know what he's capable of, but it's always something about when you finally get that contract that you've been talking about for so long, where, you know, that's when everybody's really, really looking deep at you. And again, he's resetting the market for them again. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how he moves this season. And I'm sure that they won the championship. You know, it's been a while out there in Seattle. So um, I feel like if they believe in him like that and, uh, you know, they're going to lock him in for that amount of money, I'm sure that that's on their mind. I'm sure uh, Russell, some of it went towards, went towards his offensive line, but you know how that goes. So. All right. Ray. Um, yeah, I mean, congrats for, uh, for getting that bag. Uh, I was a little surprised that they, that they threw that much at them. Like Octavia said, you know, their, um, protection has been a thing for them, you know, recently, but, um, I mean, talent wise, I don't think there's a doubt that, um, Adams is worth the money. Um, uh, his injury history is slightly concerning, but, you know, again, I feel, I feel like if they didn't think it was, it was manageable, then they wouldn't have given that contract. But, um, but I mean, yeah, now he just, he just got to continue to play great football. Um, you know, I, I wish him the best. Um, and yeah, you know, guys are, uh, guys talk their way into, uh, into a big contract like this and put a lot of attention on themselves. And, you know, I feel like he believes he can live up to that, to those pressure and those standards. So, um, you know, now he's, he's gotten, he's won it. And all he's got to do is, is play football, which, you know, should be the easy part. But, um, you know, we know how things go. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, I feel like if he's going to be on the field, then, you know, there's no doubt that he's going to produce, you know, because he's, he's proven that. But, um, but yeah, man, uh, they, you know, Seattle's whole thing has been this, um, you know, when they kind of resurged, the, the Legion of Boom was, was a thing, you know, and it, and, you know, hopefully he can, um, you know, he can bring some consistency consistency back to that defense, you know, and, and just kind of lead them. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm never against a guy getting paid. Um, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. They signed on the battle line and I hope he has a good, uh, good season out there. Wilson. Uh, it's to be expected. This is, this, this is the other part of why you traded for him. Um, you gave up, what was it? Two first, for him, or was it? I think they gave up two first for him, if I remember correctly. Both them and the Rams gave up multiple first round picks when they had to go get, you know, uh, those premier pieces in the secondary. One being Jalen Ramsey um, for the Rams, uh, for Seattle. It was Jamal Adams. Um, the other thing with him, I mean, if you're Seattle, not no disrespect, um, with him kind of being your best pass rusher, you can't really argue with the man. So you're going to have to find that bread anyways. And also, how could you really let him go after spending that capital? Um, he's still young enough. Um, also, the NFL, you know, we don't know how much of that money he's actually going to see. Um, but, yeah, it's just a no-brainer. I fully expected it. Um, you know, I didn't care what they were talking about before. Like, you can't afford to not pay Jamal Adams when you can't afford a good defensive line and a good offensive line. So, then is Jamal Adams. Yes. Yeah, I'm with y'all, man. Uh, <laughs> he makes too many plays. He does too much, man. You know, his versatility from the safety position is just ridiculous hell. You know, I'll gladly love him on my Broncos. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, it is. And just another thing, you know, we see all the time, oftentimes with the NFL, guys produce and they don't pay. Them, you know what I mean? And that's just sickening to me. You know, what more you got to do? So I'm, I'm definitely happy when the guy produces and, and get his money. And, you know, even with the injury history, I get it, but his style is ultra physical. And, and I love it. You know what I mean? Like, he did come in there and blast a 300-pound offensive line and knock them back and then make the play consistently throughout the game. So he he's going to get banged up, but you live with it. You know what I mean? Because he makes plays. You know what I mean? He's just not then being reckless. Mm-hmm. just like a crash test dummy just running all around, hitting people, and then just getting hit. You know, and you need that, man. You need somebody to get stopped, especially in that division. You know what I'm saying? It's not sweet. So 
you know, I'm happy he got it. He, you know, he got his bag. He deserves it. Uh, next question. Uh, oh, boy, this, this should be fun. Uh, NBA owners collectively and a players union like the format, which generated revenue for both, both sides to split. So the play-in tournament will return next season as the league shifts back from a 72-game schedule to a full 82. Uh, BM, obviously, Kobe and TMZ, they said they spoke with Commissioner Adam Silver out of NYC this week, and he said he personally spoke with uh, LeBron James about the tournament, and <laughs> and he said, like, things are all good. And Silver said, we talk about it. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, I understand, especially if you went deep last year and you have that end. You have that many sort of games on your legs. You're not looking forward to more games, but I think he understands the context of the league. So I think we wanted to get one more season on our belt that wasn't a pandemic season so we could really get a sense of how it works. But I'm more open to tinkering with it if necessary. Uh, just what are your thoughts on, obviously, the play-in game returning and the fact that, you know, Adam Silver had to consult certain players, you know, before moving forward. <laughs> we'll start with you, Ray. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm personally, I'm not a fan of the play in, uh, I mean, if 82 games ain't enough to, to decide whether you should be in the playoffs or not, then maybe you shouldn't be in. But, um, I mean, on the flip side, it did make for some, um, some exciting games last year. So, you know, I'm, I'm not the one that has to make those decisions. You know, I, I, I really don't care that much one way or the other. I'm going to watch anyway. Um. You know, I would like to congratulate LeBron on his new position as uh, president of the Players Association <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> you know, because obviously that's what happened since, you know, he was the one that talked to Adam Silver. So, um, you know, congrats on that. You know, another notch on his uh, stellar career resume. But, um, but yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't understand the need to to consult with him. I mean, I do, but you know, that's that's a whole another conversation for another day. But uh, he 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 seems to not know whether he wants to play in or not because you know, in um in 2020 he was in favor of it, but you know, last season when he had to participate, he wasn't. So I don't I don't know why you would consult somebody that doesn't even know where they stand on the topic to begin with. But hey, man. Do your thing, Adam Silver. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like like I said, you know, uh, it, it's it's whatever to me. Uh, you know, it it does kind of suck, you know, for them for those people that have that got one of those top eight spots and still gotta, you know, gotta deal with that. But if you don't want to do it, get one of the top six, you know. So that's that's on them. Win enough games where you don't even gotta worry about it. So um. So yeah, I'm I'm not in that position. I'm just gonna be sitting at home watching. So um I'll I'll let the people that get paid to deal with that deal with it. What race it, man? Um it's fine, it's cool. <laughs> we know sports is coming off of a pandemic too. We get it, the playing, it's about it's business, right? It's 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 here for business purposes, we're fine with it, we get it. Um whether that individual act in particular, how he feels about it. Um, look, man, get a top six spot and everything's fine. That's that's all I have. It's here. If it stays, it stays. If it goes, it goes. If it goes, you're safe. Get a top eight spot. If it stays, make it like soccer. Get above the imaginary line. It's just not that difficult. If you're in below the line, I don't want to hear about it. I mean, I definitely think it's ridiculous that Adam Silver decided to consult LeBron James. And then, I mean, even more uh, insults and injury, like, again, yes, we joke that, you know, he's the <laughs> NBA uh, Players League Association president, but there's actually a new one now. So you would think, like, if you're going to consult anybody, you would go ahead and consult C.J. McCollum, who just took over for CP3. But, hey, maybe not. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm on the same way. Like I could care less either way. I get both sides of it. I get why players complain and I get why the owners and the league want to do it. It's going to generate more buzz. It's going to generate more storylines. It's going to give them more revenue. And again, the people that, as far as players that don't like it, just don't want to be in it. 
Um, if it doesn't bot, if it doesn't come down to where they have to worry about it, they don't care one way or the other either. They just don't want to have to play extra games and they don't want to be on the bubble where then they can, you know, might not make the playoffs. So again, I'm fine either way. You know, in the beginning, I didn't really like it, but then I did like it a little bit just because I do feel like it does it does have more competitive play at the end of the season. Because I feel like, you know, once you get to a certain point in the season, like nobody's playing anymore. Everybody's content with where they are in the standings. So I like that aspect of it. But again, I, I honestly could care either way. But I think it's ridiculous that Adam Silver decided to, I guess, consult LeBron James. Like David Stern would never. <laughs> Like what? Uh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> uh, my my take on it is uh, it, it forces you to play. I mean, let, let's call it what it is. It, it forces teams to have to play throughout the season because if you sit guys, especially late in the season, key games, those couple of L's may come back to bite you. So you got to be worried of that. That's why I think they're keeping it in. You know, for the most part, uh, like Wilson said, it's simple. You want enough games, you ain't got to worry about it. You know what I'm saying? You know. And as you know, as for the guy out in LA, man, this this the part that makes it harder to, to rock with him completely. His game is, you know, his game speaks for itself. But you know, it, when it, when it benefited him, <laughs> he was all in. But when it didn't, when it was a hassle, you know, he's against it. So it, it's just that you know the narratives and stuff like that. You know, that just irritate my soul, man. It's just you know. At the end of the day, it's basketball. This your job. Y'all can look, and they don't look at the bread, but it's hard not to. Y'all well mm -hmm. off, especially the pandemic, where so many people took L's, lost jobs, and you coming off that, y'all didn't take a L. Hell, even the owners took a L. You know what I'm saying? You know they had more than enough to give to make sure y'all still play. So um, this is what this for. It shouldn't have to be that way. We shouldn't have to play, have a playing game to make guys have to play. You know, it's your, it's your job. Saying everybody claim they love the game, you know, until it gets rough. Man, this one, hey, man, I need rest and all that stuff like that. So, you know, it is what it is, man. Um, it's here. So it's simple. Just win. You know, compete and win, and you'll be fine. And uh, you know what I'm saying? We got to touch on. I know y'all was talking, <laughs> y'all was talking about it kind of, you know, before the show started. Tim Tebow, uh, tight end experiment in Jacksonville has come to an end. Uh, Tebow was released by the Jaguars today, ending a very brief return to football, likely ending his NFL career. Uh, he said he's thankful for the highs and even the lows, the opportunities and the setbacks. He said, I never wanted to make a decision out of fear of failure, and I'm grateful for the chance to pursue the dream. Thank you to the Jaguars organization and everyone who supported me in this journey. Uh, Wilson, uh, Tim Tebow you know, being released by Jacksonville, you have room on your 49ers? <laughs> So, unfortunately, um, we're stacked at tight end. And shout out to my man, George Kittle, for now allowing that man access to tight end you. We tried it and was denied. Uh, it was for real ends only. So, shout out to George Kittle being real. Somebody else might have bet under that pressure. Shout out to him and Travis Kelsey for not allowing that nonsense inside their uh, very, very, very sacred gathering of actual tight ends um, that deserve opportunities. Like, I'm happy it's over. It was dumb to begin with. Uh, that could have been somebody's, like, opportunity, man. Like, you really had that man go out there and waste people's time. Um, and if somebody else, I hope somebody else that was passed over for this opportunity ends up on somebody else's roster in that division and Jacksonville has to deal with it. Because that was just, to me, that's just trash. Like, you already got one less preseason game, right? So for those folks, nobody really pays attention and cares about the folks on the fringes in the NFL. Like an NBA, even if you're on the fringes, it's guaranteed money. Like even if it's a little bit, it's guaranteed. NFL, like the big money is not even guaranteed. So what do you think it's like for the folks on the fringes? And you really deny someone that actual opportunity. My man was broadcasting. Like let him go do that. It's fine. SEC football is almost back. I think that's where he was. Send him right back. He should have never left. Um, and that's why I wasn't a fan of Urban being hired. Like we all knew it was going to be some type of shenanigans here. But uh, that's another story for another day. Um, but yeah, I got a Jacksonville, and I wish Trevor Lawrence is not praying for you, man. I wish you the best. <laughs> I say. Yeah, I mean, I like I said when we were off air, like I I literally let out like the a good hearty laugh like from my diaphragm when it came across the screen that he'd been released because again, I just thought it was crazy from the beginning. Like Wilson said, like he took away an opportunity for somebody who's 
literally been still training. Yes, there are a lot of quarterbacks that have moved to tight ends. You know, I actually have one on my team. He's never played tight end before. He's moving from a quarterback to a tight end. But he's in the in the midst of it. Like he's not five, six years removed from the NFL or from college at that. Um, I just thought, again, it was just a blatant disrespect to anybody that was already in the running for that position on that team. Um, again, I just felt like it was like a publicity stunt, really. You know, it was just like, oh, yeah, it's Tebow. You know, we have the whole uh, Florida connection and everything. Let's go ahead and get it in when he should have just stayed where he was. I, I don't know if he has a job to go back to now. Again, if he does, that's even more privileged. The fact that they would hold this position for him in case he got um, released, which I mean, in all actuality, we all should have known that was going to happen. If you've seen any of the players from the preseason game, he can't block. So if you can't block as a tight end, I don't know what you're doing. So, again, it was just I just thought it was so crazy that that was even a story. That was even a thing to think of to happen. And I feel bad for all those who bought Tebow jerseys. Congratulations. Right. Yeah, good riddance, bro. I mean, like, why was he even there to begin with? You know, not, nothing against him, but that was that was ridiculous, man. Whoever let that go down, that 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 was stupid. Like, like Octavia said, man, he hadn't even been playing for the last six years, and then he's going to try to play a position he never played before. Like, what, <laughs> what was the purpose? <laughs> You know, if, if you wanted them involved, make them a make them a coach or something. But you know, and then like you guys said, to take that opportunity from somebody where you knew it wasn't going to work out. Like these these are <laughs> these are seasoned professionals we're dealing with. Nobody expected him to make that team. At, at least I hope they didn't. You know, and if and if they did, then uh, they need to reevaluate who, who they got running running that franchise down there. I mean they need to do that anyway, but yeah, that I'm 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 glad it's done. You know, I don't know how many dreams they're gonna let Tim Tebow get. Uh he probably gonna try to play hockey next. But um <laughs> but yeah man glad glad this NFL thing is, is done with that leave us alone Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah he 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 should just stay commentating football, college football. Um he excelled at that. You know, he's one of the all-time greats at that. It made sense. Uh, to me, it's just embarrassing. You know what I mean? And, and um, you know, it, it kind of just proves the state of that franchise right now at this current stage. Uh, it's a joke. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it was disrespectful to all the other football players, man. Like, football, it, look, man, if you take years off and just <laughs> try to play pickup, it's hard. And you try to play at the highest level of uh, and change positions at that, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man, this was set up for failure, man. And I, and I, and I see Irvin trying to look up a dog, look out in a different way, man. Get him in the front office or something, man. Yeah, man. There you go, Rodney, even the baseball thing. What happened with that, bro? It's just, uh, and I'm not even like, hey, like, I'm all, yeah, look, I'm one of the people that's like, yeah, go for it, but it has to be something serious. Like, you've been putting in work to try to achieve this. Where it's like, okay, you're not far from it. You know what I mean? You can't just be removed and then come from the booth. You know, you're basically a fan now. You you are. Yeah, you you, you could play then back in the end certain point, but when you don't play over time, your skills diminish. You know, your 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 body like especially football, man. I mean, I saw the plays, man. My man couldn't even block. Like <laughs> come on, man. You, like, <laughs> I mean, that's how you know you're done, man. I, I watched you play quarterback, and all you could do was run a stiff arm dudes. And you can't use your hands to keep a dude at bay for a split second for the running back to get open. Like, you see what I'm saying? Let's, let's, man, look, no, it, it was – hey, man, it was embarrassing, man. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I, like, 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 like Wilson said, man, <laughs> praise Because, uh, yeah, there's going to be some angry dudes looking for payback from that, John. I'm saying, especially if they got cut by the Jaguars as well, end up on other scenes, they get a chance to see them and play against them. Yeah, it's gonna be get back time just for that. Especially if he was a tight end, man. it was like, come on, dog. Mm -hmm. and he getting reps in the game, stuff like he can't even block. He shouldn't even have been in the game. To, like he, he took reps from somebody that that earned it. Man, it, it yeah. was like I said, it was just disrespectful.
uh, Trevor Lawrence just downgraded from Clemson to the Jags. Let that sink in. But uh, <laughs> I want to thank y'all for hanging out with us tonight. Um, so it's good to be here with y'all. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Don't forget to go over to DCTV to watch the show on uh, Friday nights at 10 p.m. And also over to DCTV.org. So you can see when the show re-airs on Saturday and Sunday uh, as well. Get over to FocusTV.com. And uh, for Mystics fans, we'll see you later this evening and possibly tomorrow morning, depending on what side of the things, side of the clock things end on uh, later. Uh, for Mystics Outlook, so y'all have a great evening, and uh, we'll catch up with you guys soon.